Hello and welcome to another episode of the Josh Carr Show. Today, we will be giving an update on the 2024 election, talking a little bit more about the battle between Donald Trump and Joe Biden and where that shakes out, especially in the swing states, as well as we will be talking a little bit about the main shooting and what is going on in our culture about outrage surrounding tragedies and how people like to take these tragedies and use them for their political agenda. That's what's on the docket today. As always, I am sponsored by Gulag America. Gulag America is a patriotic apparel clothing brand. Again, you can get their stuff at gulagamerica.com. I've partnered with them because I love their clothing. Super high quality. Fantastic. I'm going to actually put some up on the screen right now. Fantastic. Just like slogans and designs on the shirts. They make as a fantastic Christmas present for your conservative family members, brothers, sisters, parents, uncles, aunts nieces, nephews. Go check them out right now at gulagamerica.com. If you use my code JoshCar10, you will get 10% off. Again, don't wait until like it's the day before Christmas. They get they, they ship them out in like a week. It's really awesome. Shipping is really cheap. The clothing is really high quality. Again, go check them out at gulagamerica.com so that you're not scared last minute because you don't have that gift for your family. With that, guys, we're going to be talking about 2024. So as we come up on the next Republican debate, it's really, I'm going to still watch it because it's going to be dramatic and it's going to be kind of fun to watch. But looking at the numbers for the Republican primary, it is impossible to believe at this point that anyone can get any traction on Donald Trump. And let me just say, that makes me a little bit sad because I wish the Republican Party was a little bit more Um, I guess I like the turmoil a little bit in the Republican Party. I've talked about this before because when there's a little bit of turmoil and there's a little bit of disunity, you have to hash out those ideas and really find out what the Republican Party is made of. But at this point, things cannot get worse for everybody else um, except Donald Trump, obviously. Mike Pence dropped out this last week. If you didn't see, pretty much Mike Pence dropping out was the most popular thing that he's done his whole campaign. And I'm not even being rude when I say that. Like, Mike Pence drops out every single other candidate except for maybe Donald Trump. But the other ones that are kind of active campaigning, uh, they actually just, like, had good things to say about Mike Pence. Uh, If you look at his approval, like, his approval rating numbers, they went up after he dropped out. So that's not a great sign for someone, you know, when you drop out and people like you more. But it was obviously a good move from him. I'm sure he could see the writing on the wall that there's, you just can't win when you have 5% and a year left. A year left until like the actual general election, let alone the primary, which is much sooner. I don't know how other people haven't seen the writing on the wall yet. I assume that after this debate, uh, if there are no shifting in the polls, you're going to see mass dropouts, probably from everyone except, I would imagine, maybe Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis. I think you might even see Vivek Ramaswamy drop out, but maybe not. But from like Asa Hutchinson, Doug Burgum, uh, Tim Scott, you're going to see massive, you're going to see them all drop out. Uh, I just don't see any pathway for them to win at this point. And I understand that politicians have major pride. That's one thing that I know a lot of politicians. I've met a lot of politicians. And they all are kind of stuck in this world of thinking that they have better approval than they do. And But despite that pride... I don't see how most of these politicians can look at their numbers and think that they have some sort of path forward. Um, Unless, of course, something drastic happens, which I don't see happening at this point because by historical standards, many people would say that drastic things have already happened in this election cycle from, you know, Donald Trump's indictments uh, and 
they haven't changed the numbers at all, really. People talk about Donald Trump getting more popular. He's gotten slightly more popular because of the indictments, not by a lot. So nothing really has changed. Of course, I'm still going to watch the debate, though. The, the most important thing about the debate is honestly just to see who is running to be vice president. And I haven't seen anyone except maybe Nikki Haley, who I think is running solidly as a vice president at this point. Uh, I think Donald Trump would choose Carrie Lake or other people who aren't even running against him at this point more than Don, or than than someone who is um, like a Vivek Ramaswamy or obviously Ron DeSantis, who Trump spends half of his days making Instagram posts about uh, DeSantis and, you know, how bad his campaign is anyway. So I just don't see them teaming up on that front. But I will watch the debate to see if there's anybody who's just kind of accepted, like kind of a shift between the second and third debate where you're seeing that this person has been like, okay, I clearly can't win, but maybe I could be VP. I think we might see a little bit of that, maybe from Tim Scott or Nikki Haley. So today, because I don't believe that any of the candidates have, the other candidates have any shot at winning, again, I'm, I'm not happy to say that, but I just think that's the reality. Today, we're going to be talking about things between Trump and Biden, and we're going to be talking a lot about the polling nationally, but more than nationally, we're going to be talking about the swing states because that's what matters. Um, when you look at the polling, it's neck and neck at this point, and the national polling, that is, it's very neck and neck, but... That's how it's been for a long time. Like you go back to 2016, in many ways it was neck and neck. Hillary Clinton was actually leading a lot of those polls. 2020 was very neck and neck. And so I think we need to take a step back and really think about what it means to win an election in the United States in 2024, which of course is going to come down to the swing states. It's talked about all the time, but in 2020, Trump lost by about 40,000 votes just between those swing states that he needed. And so the battle for those key races in like Pennsylvania and Wisconsin are very fierce right now. And I'm frankly aware of a lot more that Biden is doing in those swing states than Trump uh, on the ground. So I'm going to break down 538 polls. Um, 538, if you didn't know, is uh, a, a company run by ABC News. And essentially all they do is take all these polls and they kind of average them out. And so uh, I'm going to pull up this graphic right now. This, what you're looking at right now, is polling nationally between Biden and Trump. And what you can see here is that Trump, in a decent amount of the most contemporary polls, is leading by a small factor, though there are some with Biden also leading. So you can see the most recent ones have Trump up this one by six points, which is pretty significant, and one by two. One thing that's important to point out about this one with six points, though, is that Biden, so this is not just a poll of just Biden and Trump. This also includes Robert F. Kennedy Jr. and Colonel West. And so this brings into, I'll talk about this in a second, but because this poll included them, it brings into play a really important factor, which is will Kennedy and West make it to the general election? And if they do, that could have really insane consequences for perhaps either party. I'm not really sure which one yet. Uh, after that, you can see just between Biden and Trump, Trump's winning by two, then Biden up by one, Trump by two, Biden up one, three, and one. So it's basically dead even. Some have Trump winning, some have Biden winning. Um, they're neck and neck. So as I said before, the people that have a large effect in this, though, is then West and Kennedy. So technically, Democrats, there are other Democrats running against Biden. But for the purpose of this, all we really care about are the other parties, the independents. And I think West is running under the Green Party. Um, because the Democrats that are running, 
the polling is not in their favor. Like people say that Biden is really unpopular on the Democrat side. And this is slightly true, but it's not as true as people would like to think. Democrats still, by and large, between the leaders and just the general membership, believe that Biden is their best shot to win Trump. And I don't actually, or to beat Trump, and I actually don't think that that's a super illogical conclusion to come to when you consider the fact that he did beat Donald Trump in 2020. Um, yes, he's had a terrible track record, and, and that's something important, but Donald Trump has also had the same kind of bad tr uh, track record in the eyes of the general public as Joe Biden has. And so I'm not sure it will swing as many votes as people are saying. Um, so there's no sign of those other Democrats beating Joe Biden. That's just not going to happen. So it's not going to affect the general election unless they somehow begin running as independents. Then that could be a different story. But as of now, they're running as Democrats. Uh, the Democrat Party is not running a primary, so it's not really going to matter um, unless they go for an independent like Kennedy or West. So Talking about West first, West is very interesting because he's running as the Green Party. So West is not going to be taking Republicans on his side. Like zero, absolutely zero Republicans or conservative-leaning independents are going to vote for West. It's not going to happen because he is probably the most radical who is running right now, running with the Green Party. So essentially, throughout all polls, he's taking about 2 to 4% of the general uh, voting and all of that is coming from the liberal Democrat side. And so this is really fascinating when you look at the polling between Joe Biden and Trump, where the majority of the polls has Trump leading by about two to 4%. And so the question, and, and this is something that I think the Biden team is looking at very intently, which is, is West going to make it to the general election? Like, will he leave his name on the ballot knowing that he's going to lose? Because if he does, there's a good shot that, uh, that Donald Trump wins because Wes is going to take 2 to 4% of the liberal vote. But if he decides that he doesn't want to do that, and if Joe Biden's team convinces him not to, which I'm certain that they'll try to do that, then Trump might be in trouble again, and we're going to see this neck-and-neck neck race again. So West actually has a massive potential to screw over Joe Biden and make a win for Donald Trump if he stays in the race till the end. And honestly, from what I've seen, he kind of seems like a seriously prideful person. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes all the way to the end. But I also can see Joe Biden making a deal with West, knowing that he will lose if West stays in the race. And uh, you may see West in Joe Biden's cabinet or in some other powerful position in the future. Um, now, moving on to Kennedy. He is basically getting about 14 to 20% of the vote right now, and that's quite a large range. I think just from the polls I've seen, I think the lower end is probably more accurate, like 14%. This is what 538 uh, says, and I think that's more accurate. 14%, though, is quite large. And so it's not big enough to win. I don't think most people believe that Kennedy will win, but it's super unclear right now whether RFK Jr. is taking votes from Joe Biden or from Donald Trump. And this is what is so important. And, and it, look it up right now. Just look up. Is RFK Jr. taking more votes from Donald Trump and Joe Biden? You will see a plethora of news stories and analyses by both sides saying totally taking it from Donald Trump and others who are saying totally from Joe Biden. And the, real, the reality is, is nobody has any clue uh, as of now. And if he stays in the race longer, we may have better polling information on that. But as of now, it is super unclear. What is important, however, is not what it looks like, though, on the national scale. Um, but in the swing states. So again, let's remember, Trump lost by 40,000 key votes only in the swing states. If RFK is very popular in those swing states and is taking from Trump or from Biden, 
that is what's going to matter. So you may see an article that says something. Basically, what I'm trying to get at here is you may see an article that says RFK Jr. is taking more Trump voters. And, and as maybe as a Trump voter or Republican, you think, dang, that's not good. That sucks. But if all of those voters are the Republicans in California, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. All that matters is where are those Republicans? Are those Republicans in New Hampshire, Georgia, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania? Then you're in trouble. And so I think what you're going to see a lot from campaigns is they're going to be going to those swing states and asking people if and finding out what side of these swing states is the RFK junior supporters leaving from. Because if they're leaving from their opposition, in many cases, they may actually support and pour money into RFK Jr. in those swing states, knowing that it will help their own campaign. I think that might be an interesting gambit that would pay off depending on the polling. So really quick, I want to go to 538. I want to go to the actual polling in those swing states. And I want to go through who is winning in them. And again, these are going to take the averages of today or of yesterday, November 2nd. They're going to take the average of all the polling that was done that day and tell us who's winning. So just going down the line, and this is just giving people a little bit of an idea of who is winning right now. Um, if you go to Arizona, Arizona is our first uh, swing state, not as much of a swing state. You have Joe Biden winning by about 3%. If we move down to Florida, believe it or not, we have Joe Biden winning at about 2.5%. That one I'm more skeptical of. Uh, Georgia, we have Joe Biden winning by about 1.5%. Moving down to New Hampshire, it's not even close. We have Joe Biden winning by about 10 points. Moving down to North Carolina, we have Joe Biden winning by about one and a half points. So, so far, Joe Biden is winning all the swing states according to the available data. And there is still a year left, so I'm not saying this is damning in any way. But I think it's important for people to understand where we're at. Pennsylvania, we have Joe Biden winning by about 4% right now. Going down to South Carolina, we have, this isn't really quite a swing state, but it has been a little bit of a battleground state. We have Donald Trump winning by about 7%. Going down to Virginia, it's not even close. Virginia also is kind of considered more of a battleground state. Uh, we have about 11 point lead for Joe Biden. And finally going down to the big boy, Wisconsin, we have Joe Biden winning by about eight points right now. So if you're Joe Biden right now, you're actually feeling pretty dang good. And if you're Donald Trump, you are scared and you have work to do in the swing states. And this is what's misleading about the polling. A lot of Trump supporters I've seen recently online are talking about how well Donald Trump is doing in the national polling. And there's some real truth to that. If you look at the national polling, the numbers I just picked up, Donald Trump is probably winning two thirds of the time. And usually by a factor about three or 4%, which almost takes him out of that margin of error threshold. So it's pretty clear by a national poll, Donald Trump's actually doing better. And we might see a little bit of a flip-flop where Donald Trump wins the, uh, the majority of the votes, but loses the electoral college, which is rare for Republicans. It's usually, if Republicans win, it's usually the opposite. I've heard a lot of people say, I wanted to kind of dispel this, this crap. I hear this a lot from people on the right, and it's really dangerous. Because of what happened in 2016 with the polling, the polling was off. People had Hillary Clinton winning. People are going to say that the polling is not legit for Donald Trump. The reason why I would caution against that is what is legit then? 
your personal anecdotal evidence. Forgive me if I trust a thousand people being polled over what you've talked to your friends about. I think it's really arrogant as a supporter of a candidate to say that they're going to win just because of what you've been hearing. So if you want to come at me and say, no, the polling's not legit, fine. But what is more legit than that? Give me a better poll or give me better evidence that your candidate is going to win. And the reason why it doesn't even help is because, A, those polling institutions don't have any incentive to lie to you. They are not the ones, if anything, if a polling person says that Donald Trump is losing, that only makes the Donald Trump's campaign want to go harder there. So that only helps their campaign. So they have no incentive to do that. It also, as a supporter, if you're lying or kind of being wishful about your candidate, that doesn't help anyone either. You need actual hard work to win elections. You actually need strategies. You can't just wish that Donald Trump is going to win. You can't just wish that Joe Biden is going to win because you don't want Donald Trump to win. Or because in your head, it's unfathomable that someone would vote for the other side. Believe me, in my mind, it is unfathomable that someone would vote for Joe Biden. It makes no sense to me. No one can look at the last three years and think that they were better than the four years before that with Donald Trump. But unfortunately, my it doesn't make sense to me, but it is what it is. We're fighting against you know university indoctrination. We're fighting against celebrities, entertainment, the media. We're fighting against big pharma, big tech. And the reality is, is this is where we're at. And so to lie to yourself, not helpful. Not helpful in the slightest, and we won't win that way. Now, really quick before we move on to talking about gun control in the United States. I do want to put a little bit of a teaser in for two more sponsors that I have. Two Beards, which it's No Shave November, so it's kind of perfect. They provide beard oil and body care, as well as Smart Labels. Smart Labels is perfect. It helps you organize those decorations, those Christmas decorations that are coming up. I'm going to be talking about them on a future episode, but I want you to stay tuned for them. You're welcome to go check them out at their websites, twobeards.club and qrsmartlabels.com. Talking about guns really quick. So, One week ago, a deranged killer came and killed 18 people in Maine. And you might be thinking, that was a week ago, Josh. Why are you talking about it now? And I'll tell you why. Um, As the left always does when a deranged killer does this. By the way, he was found dead. He killed himself. Um, As the left always does, they take to Twitter and to Facebook and YouTube in order to be the social justice warriors and show how righteous they are, that they think someone killing people is wrong. No one in America, let me just give this this PSA to uh, people on the left. No one in America thinks that gun violence is a good thing. And you're not special for posting on Twitter about how good you are for saying that we should get rid of guns. No one cares. Uh, It doesn't make you look better. It just makes you look like a jerk. And the reason why it makes you look like a jerk is because you're taking 18 people's lives and pushing your political agenda through this tragedy. I've always said this when it comes to these things, especially with bombings and with just large mass murders. I even felt this way with Israel. I waited a little while to get the details. Let's wait for the details to come out first. Let's let the families cope and deal with this tragedy before we start talking about the politics of it all. And we have to talk about the politics of it all. And, and that's not something I'm blind to because when there's a tragedy, we, won't, we don't want it to happen again. And that's perfectly reasonable. But as someone who has personally had tragedies in my life that's affected my family, it sucks when people start talking about the politics of it all and having it plastered on the news because it makes it very impersonal. And to those people who lost their family members, it's very personal. 
And if you polled any one of those 18 people and you said, hey, uh, or rather the, the families of the 18 people who died and said, hey, do you think that guns should be outlawed? Those people are going to have wildly different opinions on the issue. All the families of the 18 people are not going to be like, yeah, ban the guns. They're going to feel differently about it. Why? Because they're individuals. And so I think we assume oftentimes that our political agenda fits in with the tragedy of someone else. So it's been a week since we've had those details. And I want to talk about some of the details surrounding the shooter and my take on what we can do uh, to avoid these things. So we learned that the shooter basically thought there was a conspiracy against him. This is uh, details that just came out through their investigation. The shooter essentially thought there was a conspiracy against him with some businesses nearby and even some members of his family to make him look like a pedophile. And again, not all the details are out, so it's a little bit of a wonder why that is. It's not super clear to us. But it is very clear that he did not have his mental faculties with him. For whatever reason, he thought there was a conspiracy that people were out to get him. So he was in the Army Reserve, like many of these people are. They usually have military experience. Obviously, he had a many access. He had a lot of access to guns, and for a short period of time, he actually agreed to keep his guns in a safe with a code that he didn't know. And this was at the request of his brother and his father. And this was very wise. Obviously, they saw the signs. They saw the writing on the wall. Unfortunately, and I don't. We don't know right now if the brother and the father knew this, but this man had a key to the safe. Uh, there was a code and a key to get in. He had the key, not the code. So he kept the key. <clears throat> this was a mistake, obviously. He told people later that he was hearing voices, that he was planning violence. And instead of just getting rid of the safe of guns and taking away his ability to kill people in the same way, they did not tell people. And uh, obviously, there were awful consequences to that. So what does this mean to me? What it means to me is that there's an epidemic of bad mental health. He literally said he was hearing voices. This is not a normal thing. This is not a normal person. There's an epidemic of bad health, especially for men in America, and it has to be taken care of. Because one of the things that's really sad is, again, think about how sad, and this is no sympathy, by the way, for the shooter. But think about the family of the shooter and what they must be going through. I think about that often because loved ones have the responsibility to serve and minister to their family members first. And it's clear that in this instance, there has been an erosion of that culture in our community. And so essentially what I'm trying to say is that leftist policies have isolated people into doing much of this. And the attack on the family and on men as well um, are in many ways the catalyst to more tragedies like this happening. The more and more, when we see these warning signs, the more and more people can feel comfortable to come forward and tell authorities about this, the less and less these tragedies will happen. And that only happens when we have a strong community, when we have strong families, when we have better mental health, then these things wouldn't happen in the first place. The answer, and this is where obviously conservatives and liberals just completely divide on the topic of guns. The answer to someone doing a heinous act is not to take away the God-given rights of others the people who don't have mental health issues. However, the answer might just be a stronger knit community, a trust between law enforcement and your average day citizen where they can tell law enforcement about these high-risk individuals, a stronger family unit where this man doesn't feel like his family is conspiring against him 
these things would have saved those 18 people. Um, and so God bless their families and God bless that town in Maine who was going through this tragedy at this time. Hopefully through strong family and community oriented principles, we can avoid these in the future while still maintaining the God-given rights of America's citizens. That's everything I have for you guys today. Again, thank you so much for watching this video. If you guys got a little bit of entertainment or value out of it, please subscribe down below. Comment what your thoughts are on the 2024 election and the shooting that happened in Maine. I would love to talk it out and see what you guys think. Thanks, guys.